This is Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, Atlanta, Georgia, a congregation full of life and love with a legacy of outreach ministries. Everybody's invited to church in person Sunday at 10 a.m. and online at mountpleasantatl.org. And now, the Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, Atlanta. Father God, God of ages past and our hopes to come, we stop by to say thank you. For indeed, sir, you've been better to us than we've been to our own selves. God, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, your kindness, and your generosity. Thank you that, God, that you have looked beyond our faults and you see our needs. Pray that you continue to bless us as we continue to move forward in this worship experience. Pray that you prick the hearts and the minds of those who are waiting uh, to consume the word of God. Pray that you bless their lives tremendously. Give us preaching power, clarity, conciseness, but most importantly, integrity as it comes to the text. Bless this awaiting congregation. It's in your daughter, son, Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. We praise our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're grateful and thankful for the opportunity to come once again and to share with such a wonderful body of believers. And we're thankful to be in this place on today. I'm grateful to have my wife with me who's traveling with us. And we're grateful to have her with us and to share and bless us on today with her partnership and her friendship and our relationship. And we're grateful for her presence on today and also we want to thank God amen 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 thank God as well for Pastor Benton and his leadership his wife as well we're grateful for what he has done and continues to do in the length and breadth of this waiting congregation and we know that God has blessed you tremendously under his leadership and to serve as the angel in this place um, in this season. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise if we can. Amen. 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 What a blessing. What an awesome opportunity to have a person such as yourselves stand in the gap to help a congregation to continue to move forward in this time period. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn with us uh, to the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. Genesis, the 22nd chapter. Genesis, the 22nd chapter. And we will look at verses 1 and 2 in your hearing. Genesis, the 22nd chapter. And we will look at verses 1 and 2 in your hearing. Once you have discovered that passage of scripture, it reads as follows. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah 
and offer him there as a burnt offering and on one of the mountains in which I shall tell you. May God have a blessing upon the reading of his word. Sanctify our soul and eliminate our pathway. You may be seated in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, as we look at this text on today, I want to tag this text with this thought, and that is this. You will get through this. You will get through this. She had a tremble and the inner tremble you could feel with just a hand on her shoulder. This well-known author says, he says, I saw her in the grocery store and had not seen her for months. Asked her about her kids and her husband and he said, when I did, her eyes were watered her chin quivered and the story spilled. He left, he left her. And she says, after 20 years of marriage, three kids and a dozen moves, he made a decision to trade her in for a younger model. She had did her best to maintain her composure, but couldn't. The grocery store produce section became uh, that sanctuary of source, right there between the tomatoes and the heads of lettuce, she wept. So he makes a decision to pray for her. Then he said to her, he said, you will get through this. He said, it won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will use this mess for your good. In the meantime, don't be foolish nor naive. Uh, because you have to understand that you don't have to despair. With God's help, you can get through this. Two days later, he says that he meets a friend and he gets a phone call from a friend that had been recently been fired from a job. He was dismissed and it was because of his own fault, something that he had said inappropriate in the audience of people that he should not have said it. And now here it is, this 57-year-old man who is a manager, if you will, and he has made that decision to make those words known and destroy his career. And now here he is, he has is, is found himself unemployed in a very rotten economy. He feels terrible and sounds worse. His wife is angry, kids are confused. He needed assurance. So he said, the writer said to him, he said, so I said to him, you will get through this. He said it won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will use this mess for good. In the meantime, don't be foolish or don't be naive. But don't despair either. But with God's help, God will get you through it. Fast forward about two weeks later, he finds himself in a place where he sees this young lady that's a very young tender age and now she is preparing to go to college. But unbeknownst to him, he said, I want to share my story. She began to share her story, talking about the fact that she had, uh, her parents had gone through divorce when they, she was at the age of six. And she said, I was traumatically torn and ripped in my emotions. But a few years later, they made a decision to remarry when she was at the age of 15. And she thought life was going to be different. It was going to be changed and renewed. But he said, she said to him that, but a few months later, they made a decision to get a divorce. 
And they said to her, now it's time for you to choose. It will either be mom or it will be dad. She was overwhelmed with emotion, torn from asunder. And she was wondering if she was going to be able to make it through it. And now she's only a few months away from going to the place that she'd always dreamed of going to college. And yet here she is, is again at the same position, at the same place again, wondering if she's going to make it. So the writer says, I said to her in my usual manner, I want you to know that you will get through this. He said it won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will use this mess for your good. And in the meantime, don't be foolish or naive. With God's help, he will get you through this. What is your this? Relationship valleys? God will get you through this. Financial woes, God will get you through this. Mental health uh, dilemmas and disparities, God will get you through this. Cloudy days and restless nights, God will get you through this. I don't know what your this is on this morning, but every one of us has a this moment where we have to make a decision and choice as to whether or not God can get us through this. So pontificate, meditate, and, and contemplate what is my this this morning that I'm wrestling with, that I'm contemplating, that I'm struggling with. And I want to tell you these words. It won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will get you through this and he will take your mess and turn it into good. But in the meantime, don't be foolish and don't be naive because if God brought you to it, he can get you through it. Meanwhile, as we walk back through the pages of antiquity and pick up and extract the pearls of the writings of Moses, we hear Abraham talking from afar and said, I have received the dream of all dreams. The, the birth of Isaac has come to fruition, and now he's a young man, and I got the dream in one hand and a dilemma in another hand. I've got the best in one hand and a burden in one hand. I've got what God says that I can achieve in one hand and anguish that's destroying me in the other hand. After these things, Abraham has gone through uh, what many people have said that he's gone through several different tests in his life. He's gone through pop quizzes. He's gone through uh, uh, midterm exams. He's gone through evaluations. He's gone through uh, examinations. And now he is at the place in which Charles Spurgeon says, the test of all tests, the test that encompass all tests, he's at the ultimate apex of his life, wondering whether or not he will get through this moment. Walk with me here, brothers and sisters. Here we are. Have you ever been at that place where the clouds of your reasoning of capacity has caused you to stagger within your human spirit and you wondered whether or not I can get through this moment, whether or not I can get through this time period? Will I get through this? So I do believe that Moses has placed this text before us and shown us that yes, 
we can get through this. What Walk with me here, if you will. Let's open up our Bibles and keep your Bibles open. Let's listen to what God has to say in the midst of this dark, dismal, and draining journey of Abraham while he has the dream in one hand and the dilemma in the next hand. What needs to happen when you're trying to get through this? What are the expectations of God along this dismal and draining journey? Well, first of all, let me suggest to you, God expects you to embrace the sudden test. Watch this. Look what the text says. It says, now it came to pass that after these things that God tested, some versions have said tempted Abraham and Abraham. Notice what happens to Abraham. He says, here I am. He is not absent without leave. But he lingers for instructions and listens with intensity. And so in order for you to embrace the sudden test of God, you cannot be absent from class. As much as it's painful and how painful it may be in your life, you cannot excuse yourself. You cannot sit in a tardis. But here is Abraham teaching us a lesson as believers. To say, here I am. Present and accounted for. He embraces this sudden test. He accepts the unexpected adversity before you say, if it ain't one thing is another, here is Abraham. He's gone through a series of what we believe to be 10 tests. And this is the ultimate test. If it ain't one thing, it's another. But observe the specific of the present test. He, he, says, he says, Abraham, he says, take now. Now, notice if you will walk slowly and read the text slowly in verse number two. Take now your son. The emphasis of the Hebrew writer, your only son, whom you love. Go. To the land of Moriah, offer him there. Now, notice the language in itself will put you at a standstill, will shock you, will stun you, will move you out of the place of your human comprehension. How can a God like this that's supposed to love me, how can a God that talks about breakthrough and favor and get me through a moment, how can God put me through this? Have you ever asked this question? When you're in the springtime of your life and when, remember that winter will come, how can God put me through this? But you got to embrace, expect, you have to expect, uh, God expects you to embrace this sudden test. Watch this. So Abraham is weighed in the balance of common sense, human affection, and lifetime ambition. Ambition. Asking the question, can I get through this? moment this test and I want to ask the question today are you in test mode is there something testing you right now are you have you studied what you need to study are you where you need to be or is your faith where it needs to be at this moment in time but notice the specifics of the present test but notice the severity of the test have you been at the place you've been a part of? Part of you has become broken and bruised. Can I take this test? It's excruciating. It's painful. Remember a few years ago, God has a way of testing us. 
good friend of mine called me and he said, Chambers, I want to tell you about my experience of going to the doctor. So we had this conversation. He said, man, you never believe what happened to me. He said, I thought I was in good shape, thought I was fit. But they told me that I had to go do a test. And he says, it was called the stress test. He said, so I, when I arrived, he said, I poked out my chest. He said, I can handle anything. And they, they put this treadmill before me. He said, well, I have no problem with that. I do that all day long. Matter of fact, I'm in shape. I'm in good shape. He said, Chambers, when the doctor says, well, I want to make sure that everything is all right with your heart. He says, I need for you to get on that uh, treadmill. And so he got putting one foot on. He said, like a man, he said, I put one foot on and I put the next foot on. He said, I stood there strong. And then the doctor says, well, I need to test you for a little while. He says, so now I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move this up just a little bit. He says, I'm going to put you on an incline. He says, but I'm going to raise it just slowly. I don't want you to get in no hurry, Pastor. He said, I, I don't want you. And so the friend of mine says, well, Chambers, I, I told him I could handle that. He says, so I started, I started jogging before the treadmill started going. He says, I knew I had this. And then the doctor suddenly uh, raised the incline up a little bit more, gave a little bit more speed. He said, God, he said, he said Doc, is that all you got? He said, give me just a little bit more. He said, after about five to seven minutes of doing that, he says, I was huffing and puffing. He says, but I was determined to beat that treadmill. But he says, when he pushed that last button, the speed increased. And he says, I noticed that my feet were starting to get tangled up. He says, now, I don't want you to hurt you. He says, no, I got this. He says, I got this. And he says, he said, hold up, Doc, hold up, Doc. You're trying to kill me. Then he said, when I got off that treadmill, he says, no, I wasn't trying to kill you. I was trying to test the strength of your heart. And sometimes when we think that God is trying to kill us, take us out and destroy us, sometimes he's just testing the strength of your walk the strength of your abilities, the strength of your capacity, whether or not you are who you say that you are. Because it's easy to be a Christian when things are easy and smooth. So you have to embrace the sudden test, but here it is. Uh, let my time get away from me. Here it is. God expects to, to exhibit a substantial trust. Notice what happened in verse number three. It says, so Abraham rose early in the morning without hesitation, without procrastination, without reluctance, without resistance. He exhibits a substantial trust. Even though he couldn't trace God, even though he couldn't track God, but he could trust God. In this very moment, he, he trusts God in two ways. He, he trusts him uh, completely and conclusively. He did not have any hesitation. He did not balk against the situation. He did not say, God, wait a minute, wait a moment. But he literally said to God, he rises up early in the morning. How do you know, Chambers? First of all, his faith reveals his progression through the pain. How do you know? He got up. He stood up. He split up. And he went up. It suggests that his progression of his faith through the pain. 
And he got up early in the morning. He didn't question God. He didn't go back on God. But he his faith reveals his progression. Even though his heart was torn. Between the heart being torn and wanting to trust God, he had faith. And will you have that same kind of faith? And that's the question of the hour. His faith reveals his persistence through the pain because it was three days. As you look at the text between verses 3 and 4, it was three days, it says. Three days, 72 hours, 4,320 minutes, and 259,000 seconds. Faith is like a radar that sees through the fall the reality of things at a distance that the human eye cannot see. For three days, he walked around in the dark. For three nights, he, he walked around in the darkness of the moment. He was willing to trust God, even when he could not see God. He was willing to take God's hand, even when it appeared that God's hand was not even visible for him. Have you been at a place where life has been so crushing and been so daunting and so dark that you cannot see before you and you're wondering if you're going to be able to make it through the moment and can you have this undeniable faith in God? Some writers have said that he should have had some reluctance. He, he, he got beyond his conditional constraints and he began to trust God completely and fully. But here it is. The Bible says that he says literally in verses 3 and 4, he takes the burnt offering and he says, then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. The transition, the moment, he says, I will send you to a place where I have designed for you to go. He said, all I needed you to do is just to trust me and believe me. Have you been at that place in your life where you have to trust God so much that you did not know how you was going to get to that place? Even though that place has been designed and destined for you to get there and to arrive, and you're wondering, can I make it there? It's three days. Day one goes by. Day two goes by. Day three goes by. Here you are in the waiting room waiting on somebody to come through surgery, and it's been three days. Here you are in betwixt and in between a job, and you're wondering why you will get the phone call to get a job because you're in betwixt and between, and you're unemployed. It's been three days. Your child has been in a fix, has been in a problem, has been in a difficult moment, and you're wondering whether or not you can get through those three days. Here it is, brothers and sisters. God expects you to exhibit substantial trust. One day, faith and science were walking through the forest. Science says to faith, I bet I can name all the trees in the forest. Faith said, that's good, keep walking. Uh, faith and science came upon a large garden and science said, I, I bet you I can name all the flowers in the garden. He says, that's good. Keep on walking. Faith and science arrived at a massive rock a quarry and science said to faith, I bet you I can name all the rocks in the quarry. Faith said that that's good. Keep walking. And suddenly came upon a large body of water. And here he is. Science starts to back up. And become afraid. And faith said, now what is the problem now? Faith said, the problem says that science said, I, I need a bridge to cross. Faith said, step back, it's my time now. It's my 
time now. Faith and science said, to, said, do you remember when we were walking in the forest and you said you couldn't name all the trees? He said, there is a forest. Well, you forgot one tree. That is the tree of life. Faith said to science, do you remember when we were walking in the flower in the flower garden and you said you could not name all the flowers? He said, there is the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. He says, faith and science said, do you remember when we were walking through the rock quarry and you said you could not name all the rocks? He said, there is real one rock that you need to remember, the rock of ages cleft for me. And what you got to understand now that oftentimes we are relying on those things in our mind, but God says rely on the faith. He says, I am a bridge over troubled water. Has there anybody in here that can testify to the fact that if it had not been God for God on your side when you were in the deepest and the darkest moments of your life that God was a bridge over troubled water. He's a, he's a water in dry places. He's a shelter in a time of storm. He is my all in all. He's at a dark moment. Can I get through this moment? Can I stagger across this moment in time? My emotions are unraveling. Let me witness these breathtaking moments to make my next move. God expects you engaged in this significant task, task between verses 6 through 10. Listen to what verse 6 says. So Abraham took the wood and burnt off and, and laid it on the Isaac, that son. He took the hand. Now notice what he's carrying. Even though his emotions are crippled, He's yet carrying the elements of worship. Even though he's bothered and bogged, yet he's carrying the elements of worship. Even though he's overwhelmed with emotions, yet he's showing up at worship. Even though his, his back is against the wall, but yet he's showing up at worship. Even though things are down and out, but yet he's showing up at worship. Let me say to you, child of God, here it is. Even though you may be going through some things, even though you may be experiencing things, I stopped by today to tell you, if you can just don the doors of the church house, God has a way of turning things around, and you may have to carry your pain you may have to carry your difficulty you may have to carry your challenge if I can just get to worship so he's carrying this wood as the sign of a time to worship God and he's talking to his son he's saying he says he takes the wood and two of them are there together but Isaac spoke to Abraham he said to his father he said my father he said here I am my son he said then he said look the fire and the wood but where is the lamb for a burnt offering. Now notice what Abraham does in verse 7. Abraham said, my son, God will provide. God will provide. Even though he was emotionally constrained, even though he is mentally restricted, his spirit still speaks in the suddenness of the moment. Even though it's cloudy, even though it's dark, he emerges from that moment of faith. He says, God will provide. Have you ever been there when you didn't have enough money? You had, you had more month than you had money. Your money was funny. Your change was strange. And you were wondering how you were going to make it. But you said, God will provide. And you were broke, busted, and disgusted and saying to yourself, will I make it to next week? But each day you step out on faith because you know if God did it back then, he can do it right now. 
If God brought my family out in the past, he can bring my family out in the present. If God got me through that sickness, got me through that illness, got me through cancer, he can bring me out. Is there anybody here that can testify to the fact that because of the fact that I kept on carrying the elements of worship, carrying the things of God, God made a way out of no way. He can hear and answer prayer. Is there anybody in here that can testify to the fact that God will provide? He'll put stuff on your table that you didn't think that you could make it. Well, I stopped by today to tell you that after so many years of living, you got a testimony. You got some a resume. You got a biographical sketch to suggest. Look at you now. Look at you now. Look at what you're looking like right now. You don't look like what you've been through, but God will provide. So here it is. This significant task. He's disclosed the continuation of the task, the declaration of the task. And here he is in the midst of this. In between verses 6 and 10, he expects us to engage into a significant task. And he does just that. Abraham follows the spirit, demonstrates his belief that God has his back, which he can be underscored in a narrative that all that matters is to trust and to believe in God. Even though mentally, psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually is saying stop, don't move forward, don't complete the mission, don't go forward with what God has said to you in that moment. But he refused to acquiesce, to surrender to what he felt like. Because you do know that your feelings will change. You can be, you can have faith and still not feel good. But you know that your feelings will change from one day to the next. But you got to push through your feelings. You got to push through your emotions. You got to push through your tears. You got to push through your anguish. You got to push through your adversity. You got to push through your pain and say, if, if, if God be for me, who can be against me? You got to declare the promises of God over the situation that no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy yet still comes in the morning can you imagine this daddy this father who has a dream in one hand and a dilemma in the other hand and the question can't say where is the lamb even though he can't see the lamb he knows the lamb is going to be there even though you can't see your way we keep on driving anyway. Even though you can't see your way beyond the pain and the problem and the issues and the struggles, you still keep going day by day. And all you have to do is to say in the words of the language of the old mother of the church, Lord, just give me one more day. Give me strength to make it one more day because it's one day at a time. So here it is. He hears Chambers. He tells them, he says, he takes this significant task, and it is interesting that as we look at this moment in time, that God says he can't see where he's going, but he yet keeps on walking. He can't see what he's doing, but yet he's willing to worship. He can't understand what's transpiring, yet he says there's a burnt offering. It also reminds me of one night when a house got caught on the fire and a young boy was forced to flee to the roof. 
The father stood on the ground below with his outstretched arms, and he called out to his son, jump. He said, I'll catch you. But the boy hesitated because all he could see was the flame. And he called out again. He said, I need for you to jump, he says. But the boy hesitated because all he could see was the flame and the smoke and the blackness. So as you can imagine, he was afraid to leave the roof. His father kept yelling, don't worry, just jump, I'll catch you. But the boy protested. But dad, I can't see you. But the father said, but I can see you. And that's all that mattered. And the boy went ahead and jumped, not because he could see where he was jumping, but because he trusted his father. And brothers and sisters, I stopped by today to tell you that even when you can't see where you're going, you got to understand, you got to trust in God. So what are you doing, Chambers? I'm clinging to the character of God and not being stripped by the conditions that surround me. That God is loving. God is an on-time God. God will be there when you, you think that he won't be there. God, I can trust God. He will guarantee me to get to the finish line. But here it is. As we pick up in verses 11 through and following, he says, God expects you to experience a specified uh, timing of God. But notice what happens. That sometimes... The clouds are about to shift. The human spirit and the emotions are in the process of stabilizing. Therefore, God lets us get a glimpse of a miraculous and dramatic moment. And so he finally is able to see where God has taken him to. And you pick up in verse number 11 and following, you see him. Uh, he sees that the angel of God called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He says, here am I. He says, do not lay your hand on the land do anything to him for now I know that you fear God since you have now withheld your son your only son from me let me pause parenthetically there because you see the set timing of God you see the scheduled timing of God God specializes in timing just when we think it's not the right time. God knows exactly when to do it and how to do it. I find it quite striking and interesting that God takes him to this place and the angel of God begins to communicate to him. And he says, now I know that you fear me. Now I know that you're uh, who you are that you say you are. So what does that say, Chambers? It proved that you can trust God. In this moment, you can trust God, but God is a timing God. God sets the right timing at the right moment. It reminds me of a few years ago. Many years ago, I heard of, of a well-known SEC coach named Steve Spurrier. And they were interviewing him, and they asked him, he says, how is it that you're able to land some of the best quarterbacks in the nation? And he allowed them to continue to have that conversation and how they were able to do this and how they were able to do that. He says, it's not so much that I can land the best quarterbacks in the nation, but the fact of the matter is I have taught my, my quarterback and my receivers timing patterns. And he says, what you don't know, I teach our receiver every day in practice to go to the right spot. And if you go to the right spot, that ball will get there at every time. He said, but you got to make sure that you go to the right spot. And when you turn, the ball will be there instantaneously. So my 
my quarterback does not necessarily throw to the receiver, but it throws to a particular spot and he times it. And so that's why I stopped by today to tell you today that God will do that same thing. At this moment in time, just in the nick of time, God put him in the right spot at the right time and at the right moment. How do you know, Chambers? Because the Bible says that clearly that in the midst of that moment, there was a ram that was caught in the thicket. Catch this now. It was caught in the thicket, and now he did not unveil it to Abraham because he had to complete his moments of obedience and faith in God. It was just in the nick of time, but he got to the right spot. He got to the right spot at the right moment in time to make sure that, that he could get there and get the blessings of God. And God somehow or another showed him. He said, now I want you to do this. He says, while you are going up one side of the mountain, I got somebody else coming up the other side of the mountain. And it's caught in a thicket. And so I stopped by today to tell you that sometimes when we're going through and we're at the finality of our life and God is trying to get us to a moment in time and trying to give us a breakthrough, God has to break through in the thicket. God has the favor in the thicket. God has the open door in the thicket. God has the blessing in the thicket. God has the blessing right there waiting upon you. All you got to do is to make sure that you get to the right spot. And God is a God of timing. And he'll make sure that God will make a way out of no way. And God will hear and answer your prayer. But you got to make sure that you get to the right spot. Is there anybody in here uh, that can testify uh, that I've learned uh, to trust in God. Uh, I learned uh, to believe in the God I serve. Uh, and I know that if I get to the right spot uh, that God is a God of time uh, and he will come in uh, and make a way out of no way. Uh, hear and answer prayer. Uh, I know that he will. Uh, is there anybody in here that can testify that, that God's got a realm in the the bush. Um, he may not come when you want him, uh, but he's always on time. Uh, I hear dotted people saying that, that he's an on time God. Uh, won't he do it? Uh, won't he make a way out of nowhere? Uh, won't he hear and answer prayer? Uh, good evening, uh, Mount Pleasant. Uh, may the Lord bless you real good, uh, but it's time to get out of here. Uh, but let me tell you this, uh, when you're trying to go through this, uh, remember that there's a ram caught in the thicket waiting on you. Your, your blessings is on the way. Your breakthrough is on the way. Your favor is on the way. Is there anybody in here that can testify to the fact that one day that Jesus died and they said it was all over. It was so dark that you could not see the palm of your hand. It was so dark that the man had an epileptic fit. It was so dark that they said, surely uh, this must be the Son of God. Uh, but early one Sunday morning, uh, the ram uh, rose up. Uh, he rose up uh, and he got a ram in the bush. Uh, and the body lamb got up out of the grave uh, and all power was in his hand. Uh, is there anybody in him uh, that can testify? Uh, if it had not been uh, for the Lord on my side, uh, where would I be on today? Uh, I'm 
so glad that trouble don't last always. Weeping may do it for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. How do you know, Chambers? Because one day I heard a little boy named Johnny. Johnny said that my grandmama got sick and it was cold in the house and she had run out of medication. And I began to write a letter and I said, Dear Jesus, my grandmama's sick and there's no food on the table and it's cold in the house and the postman got that letter and the postman got the letter and he started reading the letter and he said I know God can get him through this and the postman had a good friend that was a woodman so he went on down the road and he went to the woodman's but he went by the doctor's house first and the doctor to grab this bag. He said, I got just what they need. And he started walking down the road. And he got further down the road. And he could hear, he could hear the sound of the animals in the stable. He could hear the wood being cut. And the woodman was on the other side. And when he got there, the woodman said, you need to understand, Doc. I got too much stuff to do. Doc said, you need to read this letter. It said, my grandmama's sick. There's no food on the table. And it's cold in the house. And the old wood man gathered up the wood. He gathered up the mules. He got Mike and Jim. That's the name of the mules. And he backed them into the wagon. And he loaded up with wood. And he got the groceries from the grocery store on him. And he started down the road. And he started down the road. He kept on coming. He made a U-turn, got by the grocery house, went by the doc's house, got everything that he needed, showed up the man's house, and he left and went away. And grandma woke up the next morning, and he said, baby, what's going on? And the little boy said, mama, you told me that God will get us through this. It's warm in the house. He said, because the wood man has already showed up. She said, there's food on the table because the grocery store owner uh, brought us some food uh, and there's wood in the fireplace. Uh, the wood man just came by uh, and the little boy said, I got one more thing. One more thing I need to tell the Lord. She said, what do you need to tell him? He said, dear Jesus, thank you for taking care of my grandmother. You said I would get through this. Thank you for taking care of putting food on the table. But I got one more thing. I got one more thing I need to tell you. I want to tell you thank you because you've been better to me than I've been to myself. Is there anybody in here that can test and want to say thank you. If God has brought you anything, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you tell the Lord, tell him thank you. Ain't the Lord good? Won't he do it? Help me say yes. Yeah! 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 running in your feet, clapping in your hands, joy in your feet, won't he do it? Help me say yeah, help me say yes, ain't he all right? Help me say yes, say yeah, say yeah, yeah, 
Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Grab your neighbor by the hand. Shake it and rock it. Rock it and shake it. And tell him that the Lord is all right. Help me say all right. Yeah! You've been listening to the Mount on the Go podcast. If you've been enjoying the word please consider donating to the Mount Pleasant ministry. We have various ways that you can give to the ministry to allow us to become better in our pursuit of delivering God's word to you. You can give via PayPal at mtpleasantatl.org. You can give via Zale, info at mtpleasantatl.org. You can also give via Square and Givelify. For Givelify, just search for Mount Pleasant Baptist Church with our address, 17 Melvin Avenue, Southeast Atlanta, Georgia, and you'll be in the right place. In addition to all these options, you're always welcome and invited to grab an envelope and have cash or checks sent to the church, whose address is again, 17 Millen Avenue, Southeast Atlanta, Georgia. For questions, comments, and concerns, feel free to email us at info at mtpleasantatl.org. That's info at mtpleasantatl.org. You can also visit our website, www.mountpleasantatl.org, to follow us on YouTube and Facebook for the video version of the podcast. Our services are live every Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you are more than welcome to visit the church in person every Sunday at the same time. Thank you so much for listening.